All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? It's what the fuck, Annika? <laughs> what? That didn't work. Happy Hanukkah. First night of Hanukkah. This is it. What are you doing on the big first night of Hanukkah? You going to light that candle? Those two candles? You going to say the little things? The little prayers? You going to do it, Jews? I have, uh, I'm, I'm sort of uh, hit or miss. In and out with the uh, candle lighting. It, it's always pretty good because I always have candles left over from when I decide either the year before or two years ago to go ahead and do it even if i'm alone just go ahead and do a connect with the the tradition the heritage the legacy the history of the jewish people go ahead buy a box i've, I've gotten fancy candles but i never really go the full ride so i always have enough candles left to uh, make me feel like i'm gonna try again so I, I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure I probably have at least five or six candles from one to two to three years ago that will enable me to light at least two nights worth of candles. I don't, there's just something about it. And, and most of my uh, partners over the years have not been Jewish. And I've talked about it before. There's the whole sort of doing that thing in front of the non-Jewish girlfriend. That's always an exciting kind of a almost embarrassing but it depends how you handle it moment but i've done it i've done it i was at the comedy store last night and man i've never seen this in the history of the comedy store maybe i don't remember it but there are massive massive christmas decorations in the main room i'm talking giant boxes like parade float size fake gift boxes on either side of the main room stage huge like, it's just an overwhelming, there's a tree, there, it, was, it was bordering on anti-Semitic in its exclusion of the, of, of the Jewish representation. Then I get up on stage last night and I realize, oh, there is a menorah up here. There, the color of the boxes and the trees and the, uh, the greenery of Christmas, huge, all over the stage. And then, you know, almost tucked away, stage right, there's one menorah, it's this angular, ugly, black oversized menorah it almost it almost looks like you know the death star somehow you know amongst the the christmas gifts and and ornaments and festivity just this angular jet black oversized menorah just sitting alone on on a pedestal of some some sort and it looked menacing it looked like a a stealth bomber amidst the uh the decor i brought i brought attention to it you bet I did. The, the one thing I remember growing up is there was always a scramble to find a kippah, a yarmulke, or for, for you non-Jews, the Jew beanie. It was always a scramble. You know, did we have them? Were there some around? Did we steal enough from the synagogue? Was there a, what, what drawer are they in? I just remember at different points during my childhood that my father had a range of things that he would put on his head in lieu of uh, kippah. Uh, I think there was napkins were used. I believe maybe comedically there's a picture of him lighting the candles with a pair of underwear uh, on his head. I guess it doesn't really matter as long as it's covered. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if I do it. I'll let you know. Maybe I'll post a picture. We'll see. I got to see if I got a candle or two. I'm going to need two to start. So look, 
Um, today on the show, Taylor Williamson is here. He's a comedian. I, I kind of, I didn't really know him, to be honest with you. And, and I tell him this to his face. I used to see him and I always kind of wondered what he did. For years, I would see this guy. <laughs> and then one night I watched him and I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got his own thing going. This is a, he's got a thing, this guy. And it's uh, uniquely his. And then I watched his special and I'm like, wow, I had no idea when I was kind of like ignoring this person for years that uh, he really has the goods. So Taylor Williamson is here. You might know him because he, he did get, and I don't know these things. He got big national exposure on America's Got Talent. He just released a new comedy special on YouTube, Taylor Williamson, live from the comedy store. And I, I talked to him about that title. Uh, but it was, a, it was a good conversation. And it was good comic talk. And it was good getting to know the guy. And I believe he's going to open for me a bit on my upcoming dates. Where, you ask? I'm not sure, but I can tell you what the dates are. Los Angeles, I'm at Largo on December 12th and January 9th. Dynasty Typewriter on December 13th, 28th. And the Elysian on December 15th and 22nd. I'm in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th for two shows. Get in. Get on to that second show, folks. I think Taylor's actually opening for me on that one. And I believe maybe this one, too. San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd. I'll be introducing a screening of McCabe and Mrs. Miller on February 4th at the Roxy in San Francisco. Get tickets at Roxy, R-O-X-I-E dot com. Portland, Maine. I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts. I'm outside Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. The Chevalier Theater. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia. I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. And just announced I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater on Thursday, April 18th as part of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for tickets. And uh, yeah, that's what's happening. Man, I've been working a lot. I've been, like, I just hit the ground running when I got back. And I've been watching more movies lately. I watched a movie last night that I didn't even want to watch. I don't know how many times I'm going to fall for that trick on myself where I'm like, uh, all right, so I'm just going to check out this movie I know nothing about that didn't get particularly good ratings, but it's got Benicio Del Toro in it. What the fuck was that called? I just watched it last night. Some detective movie with Justin Timberlake and... Uh, Alicia Silverstone and uh, fuck what the, it's one word. God damn it. Reptile. It's called reptile. It's some sort of detective story about a cop who was, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, put in a bad position in Philadelphia and had to leave and get to a smaller place because his partner was corrupt. I, and then like the entire movie went by and uh, this doesn't happen too often and i'm not I, you know, i'm definitely not as sharp as i'd like to think i am but i have no fucking idea what happened at the end there's a little uh, added bit at the end that had to do with him removing some sort of covering on his hand i don't know what could somebody please tell me what the ending of that movie was about what was that it was he a bad guy was he a good guy somebody please tell me what the fuck the ending of Reptile is about. All right, that's done. 
I watched Barbie again because um, had to talk to Greta Gerwig again, and I, I was more than happy to watch it, and it affected me in exactly the same way. I was completely engaged and moved. I laughed again at jokes, and that never happens. I can't explain it to you, but I did talk to Greta yesterday, uh, and when I put that up, I think we figured it out. I think we figured out what it is that happens to me when I watch musicals or, or happy movies, and it has something to do with joy and my inability to generate it from within and my aversion to it from without, from outside of me. And that when I'm pummeled with joy, I have no choice but to experience it. And I think that is what happens when I watch musicals. Another thing I'd like to talk about today, if I could, is the passing of Norman Lear at 101 years old. Norman Lear beat Henry Kissinger, which is good. That I mean, maybe that means that maybe good might beat evil. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but he made it to 100 and, 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 uh, and one, and I interviewed him in uh, 2014. It's episode 555, and it's an amazing conversation. It was overwhelming to, to spend time with that guy. And, you know, and he was in his 90s, obviously. But just the scope, just the, the history of him in show business, going back to early television, you know, right around the end of radio, as I recall, and then kind of, you know, figuring out this zone to, uh, to be progressive uh, through, you know, very engaged satire in a way. I, I think you would call All in the Family satire, the Jeffersons in a way. Uh, but to really use humor to be, you know, to engage all sides of, of the human experience around, you know, politics, uh, social movements, generational points of view, and just to sort of rub these things up against each other to create something funny and ultimately embracing of, of humanity and of, the possibilities of democracy, tolerance, and progressive goals. Nobody like him. And if you look at the roster of, of the shows, you know, I'm sure you will find he had a profound effect on your life and, uh, you know, on the world. And it's, it's really an amazing thing when somebody dies at 101 where you don't freak out. You're like, oh, my God, what happened? He was 101. There's no idiots on Twitter saying, like, was he vaxxed? It's just he had a good life. He had an engaged life. He was creatively working, you know, right up till the end of his life. And uh, it was an honor to spend time with that guy. Rest in peace, Norman Lear. And thank you for your amazing contributions to culture, even though... Now it seems that it's on fire. I'll give you a quick cat update. Everyone's fine. Charlie's an asshole. Sammy, oddly, is coming around somehow. Sammy is a little touched. I'm not sure how. Like, he's the kind of cat that you know, is, is prone to just out of nowhere, weird fits of uh, 
scratching frenzies and chasing his tail and, and twitching. And then it goes away in about 15 seconds. Happens occasionally. Occasionally, he's just running around for no reason. He enjoys eating the sticky part of uh, Post-its and envelopes. Uh, but, you know, him and I were not, I didn't feel like we were locked in. And not unlike a lot of cats, you know, he's only a couple years old, two years and change, but sometimes they just have to grow into whatever it is and you have to grow into whatever they are. You got to lock into their frequency and then figure out where you guys meet. But all of a sudden, I think Sammy's like, uh, you know, it turns out he's one of my best friends and it wasn't heading that direction. And Charlie is definitely my guy. You know, the char- you know, Sammy and Buster hang out with each other. They're all my guys, but Sammy is a, a, a deeply involved with Buster. It's very gay. And Buster takes it, but they usually sleep together. But Charlie's like definitely following me around and doing my thing. But now when I sit on the couch, Sammy will just come and just plop his ass right down on my lap. And they're not really looking like he's enjoying it, but something's happening. And uh, just for you people that keep up with this, uh, Sammy's off the shit list. And and now it seems uh, is gunning for the number one title for the number one position. Sammy Smushy. The smusher is is coming in hot right now. We'll see how that pans out. Um, but seriously, if anyone knows what the fuck happens at the end of Reptile, let me know. I'm not even plugging this movie because clearly I had a problem with it. Uh, let me know. Was Is he a bad guy or is he a good guy? What was the thing he was taking off his hand? What the fuck did I miss in that incredibly convoluted, complicated uh, screenplay? And why was I up till 1245 watching it when I just wanted to get a little, a little taste of Benicio. Why, why, why did that happen? Why, why am I only sleeping? Why am I, why am I only sleeping like five to six hours a night? What is happening? Is it, what is time running out? Where are we at? Okay. Look, Taylor Williamson is funny. Didn't know that for a long time. Uh, his new special Taylor Williamson live at the comedy store is now streaming on Taylor's YouTube channel. He's headlining the punchline in San Francisco tonight through Saturday. You can go to taylorwilliamson.com to see all his tour dates into the next year. And this is me literally getting to know Taylor Williamson. Can I show you something cool I found? Hmm. This is from... uh... New York Magazine in 2006. Yeah. There was, they did a little article on uh, Los Angeles comedy scene. Oh, yeah. And they, they did like groundlings and the improv and whatever. Like, so they had that, like the, the superstar oh, and then yeah, like yeah, the, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the, for the improv, they put like this, like the legends, Robbie Williams, and like the current people. It was you and Pat and Oswald. And then, name to watch, it says 19 uh, year old cerebral wit Taylor Williamson. There you are, right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> Featuring crowd pleasers like Mark <laughs> and Pat Oswalt on a Saturday night. What year is this? 2006. So can I tell you how that happened, too? Well, I mean, were you, you were living here? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So what ha- do you remember Cassandra in the box office, the sweet woman? She adored oh. you. and uh, At the store? At the improv. Oh, at the uh, improv. She had short, blonde hair. And, yeah. And I... Uh, uh, Eccentric is that the word? She's yes. A, uh, character. She, what happened to that loved. girl? I'm not sure, but I know that this probably didn't help her career there because 
uh, she got in trouble for this because she answered the phone. Yeah. I'm just some like open micer kid, you know, yeah, a yeah. couple spots, you know? Yeah. But she answered the phone and then she, they're like, who's the comedians that um, we, sh- we should look out for? And then she just gave her opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's the ticket booth lady. Oh, that's hilarious. So she spoke on behalf of the improv and got me a little magazine. And there you, you were just an open micer? Well, yeah, you know. That's... I, I got I got passed at the improv when I was like eighteen. I had a whole thing. Bud Friedman saw me and stuff. And oh, because like I did that once when Rolling Stone asked me who who were the comics to watch, and everyone I named n- went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're good comics, and I liked them, like Amber Preston and Ryan Singer. I'm like, they're the ones, <laughs> and uh, they're out there, but it didn't. You know, I'm not a good. Uh, uh, I don't have a good eye for stars. Well, it took me 20 years to get on your show, so maybe that's consistent. But that's like, but okay, so. But Arnold was just on a couple months ago, and it sure. took him a long time to get here, too. It did. It, it did, <laughs> and he'd been wanting to yeah. a long time, and I was just sort of like, not yet. He's <laughs> been <laughs> decades. Yeah. I'm like, he's not ready. <laughs> I need him to pay his dues for a couple more years. Do you have everything, everything you need? Yeah. You're one of those gallon of water guys. And I was I was ready for this conversation. I am this morning, but it's just because I needed water and I was in a hurry. But, yeah, but uh, like what, how much, how, <laughs> much, how much is in there? How much goes in there? A gallon? Is that a gallon? Um, it's one gallon. Yeah. Very good. I mean, I'm a, a grown-up person. You can kind of, you know, look at something. And I, I know it's not a half gallon. Well, how many, uh, uh... <laughs> fluid ounces what is the fl stand what, uh what thirty? it would be um like 128 very good but do you know how many liters though no smart ass no i don't i don't <laughs> do you i do actually off the top of my head it's 3.78 liters now now put that bottle down say it again <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask you in five minutes. I couldn't even tell you how many gallons there are now without looking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's weird because I watched the special. Oh, thank you. Yeah, what am I'm I so, not gonna watch it? I'm so sorry that you sat through that. No, it was it was, it was funny and uh, I, it was enjoyable. And I was that all of it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to give the people too much. You know, <laughs> I don't give them too much. Leave them wanting more. You know, because like I don't think. Not to be rude, but like oh, I, I don't. Jesus Christ! Yeah, take it easy. I uh, I'd seen you around, you know, and you were just one of those guys that was around. And like, I'm not always hang- in the showroom usually. Sometimes one or two before I go on or whatever. But I think it took me years. I always saw you, but I think it took me years to just be in the room and you're on. I'm like, oh, this guy's a funny guy. <laughs> he's he's got his own thing. I just I, I always knew him as this guy wandered around. I I think because um. <laughs> I'm older. I I've lost touch with the generational thing. Like I, I kind of know my generation. I know the one before me and the one after me ish. But then you know, once you get to two away, which I think you probably are. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of like in 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 a fog. And then with new people, like door people getting past and stuff, I'm like I have no idea. Yeah, I'm at the point. I'm 20 years in, and now when there's like a new door person, I'm like I'm done learning names, especially post COVID. I'm like I'm never learning anyone's name. I was never good at it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I. What's yours? Yeah, I was was gonna say I don't even know your name. You set me up. It was easy. It was easy. 20 years, dude. How old are you? I'm 37. I had a weird journey. We, you were, you and one of your exes were really nice to me when I was like 18, 19, hanging at the Improv. Mishnah. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Where'd you grow up here? Del Mar, uh, near La Jolla. I started in La Jolla. Oh, really? Yeah. In 19 or 2003. 2000. 
So you were how old when you started? Seventeen. Really? In high school. I took. Uh, I emailed the comedy. I saw on the comedy store website they had um, a comedy class. I'm a seventeen year old kid. I don't yeah. know how anything works. Sure. And um, it was taught by rest in peace Sandy Seashore. Sandy Shore, yeah. Um, Holly's sister. I know Sandy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what she was doing, huh? So that, In La Jolla. I was like, I'm under 21 because it's 21 and up. Can I uh, do some, can I come perform? She's like, yeah, you can take my class. And I'm like, all right. I didn't know, I didn't know huh. you could just do open mics without taking a class. But So uh, you, you grew up outside of La Jolla, but like, because uh, what's your real name? Uh, Taylor Williamson. Is this a Jewish thing? Yeah. My mom's, uh, my mom's Jewish. I'm okay. Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. But well, your way, dad's not. Right. By the way, I'm so like, so on this Jewish kick right now. Well, you kind of have to be. And, uh, when people, like last night, this person said my mom is Jewish and then she was like, and I'm like, oh, I get so mad with that. What like, do you mean? You can't be like, oh, my mom's Italian, but I'm not. Right. But then Jewish people don't have that. I'm not really, I'm like, I think I'm similar to how you present yourself is no both of my parents were jews so you're <laughs> <laughs> well according to the torah i, I understand but we listen, know we all know we know <laughs> <laughs> but like 23 me says i'm ashkenazi jewish and then the, the propaganda are how much percent though 50 percent. yeah was, what is that so you're half jewish <sighs> i'm gonna have a midlife crisis right now or this, uh, you know what it said when i looked 99% Ashkenazi. <laughs> it's like 23 and is like, okay, calm down. We yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jew. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't even put a number. <laughs> no percentages. But this is what my, my loving mother always told me as a child. It's yeah. Like, this is my bedtime my bedtime story was um, just, you know, even though your name's Taylor Williamson, uh, when the Nazis come, if the Nazis came back, they would take you. So that's how you know you're Jewish. So, <laughs> Thank you, mom. <laughs> yeah. but, but is that what you're thinking about now? Well, how are you on a Jewish kick? Well, I mean, I, I uh, the stuff going on is pretty wild, you know, and it's very scary and um, it's horrendous. And like, I, I'm doing this bit on stage, but it's like how I feel too. It's like, yeah. should I? My name's Taylor John Williamson, yeah, and I have this this face, you know. Yeah. So I could just pretend I was never Jewish and pass, take pass, <laughs> take down my bar mitzvah photos, you know, yeah, or do uh. Uh, or do I get my foreskin put well, back you, on, you know? Oh, yeah, and like, go or, the, whole the whole route. Or should I just be out proud? I'm, I'm Jewish, sure. and I'm proud to be who I am. And yeah. in sincerity, it's making me relate a lot to, like, the gay community, how they um, uh, they have pride parades, and then people, like, white people get mad, like or whatever, like, basic people get mad, get, go, why do they have pride parades? Why can't we have white pride parades, whatever? It's because people want them to die for being just who they are, just existing. So the only healthy right. reaction is to be proudly who you are. That's right. So that's the kick I'm on right now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, well, that makes sense. You know, the gay community, in order to become a community and out and public and and uh, proud of who they were, really had to lean into that. Yeah, and, and I think the Jews, the, the weird thing, it's, it is similar uh, with Jews, too, because— it's it's one of the things I've been reading about in terms of trying to understand black anti-Semitism. You know, the Jews and the blacks were aligned, you know, during civil rights and during, you know, community organizing and voter drives. I mean, there was a time when progressive Jews were part of that experience because they identified. But the bottom line is Jews are white mm -hmm. and they can always pretend not to be Jewish, you know, and not only could they pass, but ultimately they found their way into you know, Jewish-owned businesses in black neighborhoods and then built these, you know, these kind of almost villainous uh, uh, presence 
with you know slumlords and and you know pawn shops. I mean, have you ever watched a pawnbroker with uh, Rod Steiger? No, it's crazy. Record executives. I mean, it just it really became that whatever the alignment was is that Jews can disappear into the whiteness. Right. Blacks cannot. Right. And in in the same with gays in terms of being closeted. But there comes a point where in order for the community to remain strong, you have to own it. Yeah. I've been doing a joke about that. What, what did I say? This is pretty new. When on stage, I go, uh, it's a pretty bad time to be a Jew. And then I go, but wasn't it always? Yeah. yeah I, say, I don't think there's ever been a time in history where a Jew has said, what an amazing time <laughs> <laughs> to be a Jew right now. And you're lucky that you can... The, that you that I'm 100 percent Jewish. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> I have some envy. By the way, I have a friend who found out he's not Jewish at all. Did 23 and Me, and that's a whole thing. That's a whole therapy. He was thing. brought up Jewish. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, he was totally his family. Was he adopted? No, it's just his parents. Uh, well, down the line, his parents were adopted. But oh, about that back then, you know. But that, that, but that counts. I mean, he's still that's what Jewish. I said. Yeah, I, yeah. I, so I genuinely feel the same. But, uh, but like Fuck I've talked. Him. Huh? Fucking with him? <laughs> it's fucking with him? Oh, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you said, are you fucking with him? No, like, no. Yeah, you Gentile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Jews. <laughs> like yeah, but he's going to make the cut. He's not going to, you know, he won't get put against the wall. Is that how that works? I don't know that someone stole <laughs> millions and millions of genetic information from 23 Me. I imagine they're they're sort of making lists somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I've said I'm Jewish on stage, and then I've had Jewish people come up to me, accusing me of pretending to be Jewish to tell jokes. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Like, who did that? When I did this America's Got Talent tour, like, mm. five years ago, Yeah, I was on this, I had this thing where if I'm making fun of everyone, I should make fun of myself, too, you sure. know? And, yeah. like, also, like, I like talking about being Jewish on stage, whatever. It's not my whole act, like, a two minutes, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, so I'm, the joke I would do every night, this is, I'm hosting a variety show. This is not my best joke for anyone who's trying, learning about me now. I'm not right. proud of this, but it's easy laugh, right. quick joke, sure. whatever. So I'd say... Every night I go like, I'm Jewish. Any Jewish people here? And then every time it's just one person in Tulsa, Oklahoma, clapping in sure. the balcony. I'm like, of course, the cheap seats. Oh, and right. then now I would not make that joke. I've evolved differently, yeah. whatever. But four times I, I, I would, what I would do with that joke is like, all right, well now everyone knows who you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's another. But so four times on okay. that tour, people came up to me and said, um, uh, "Are you really Jewish? How dare you make fun of Jewish?" I had someone message send me an email saying, "That's all I said." Someone sent me an email saying. How dare you make fun of Jewish people on the anniversary of Kristallnacht? Wow. And I'm just like, but I've, have you experienced this? I've, oh, were these Jews, I assume? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The ones that didn't raise their hand? Right. Exactly, by the way. <laughs> the better seats. <laughs> but, but what I found is I talk about being Jewish on stage, and I go, there any Jews here? And no one raises their hands like, yeah. for the joke you're saying mm. of like, you know. And then, then in my meet and greet, every time someone goes up to me and they go, they? I, I'm Jewish, but you know. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know, because people, it's scary to say you're Jewish. It's before this past. My dad is literally like, you know, and has for years, like, maybe you should pull back on because people are killing Jews. I'm like, you know, I, I get that. And, and and maybe my courage is more bravado and, and provocateur. You know, like, I, I do feel like it's important to to publicly say, you know, with confidence that you're a Jew and, 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 and draw light to it and draw light to anti-Semitism. But when you do that, especially as things get worse, you're sort of like, oh, God. I'm, I'm asking clubs, do they scan? I mean, I, need, I really need uh, them to have a scanner for yeah. people coming in. Do you really? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it's like, look, 
I'm not that public. I'm not that big a star. Like I'm not ne- like I'm not necessarily like he's one of the spokesmen for the Jews. But it doesn't matter. You know, you're going. I'm t- I'm going to Denver. I, Alan Berg was gunned down in Denver. You know, the talk radio guy. Yeah. I just played him in a movie. I went to. I went and got gunned down in Canada, <laughs> pretending like it was. Denver for this movie, wow. and I'm like, maybe that'll you know get my karma straight, and it won't happen in real life. Oh. You know? Yeah, I mean, again, not to make this the Jewish episode, but like, there's more. Well, th- they'd probably just maim you because you're half. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but but there's more. Talk about security. There's more security at the at a Jewish preschool down my house than there's at the comedy store. Truly, comedy store's gotten a lot better, dude. And they've gotten better respect, you know. I but- mean, they're serious over there. They watch that shit. Have you ever had an incident, like a physical altercation at a show? No, but I've had uncomfortable exchanges that yeah. you don't know, uh, given the climate, how far they go. Like, you know, so, so, you know, kind of, so you're a Jew, huh? You yeah, know, like, yeah, hey, you know, bust balls a little bit, but then you sort of like, it gets a little menacing. And it's like, what are you doing now? Uh, I'm going to try to slip away from you. <laughs> I'm going to probably walk around the building a couple times so you don't know where I park or which hotel I'm staying at, but thanks for coming to the show. But I think one of the benefits now with me is that you, you, most people are coming to see me. It's not, Anybody who randomly goes to a comedy club and then are disappointed, it's like they have an internet. You put my name in it and see what you're getting into. Yeah. But, uh, but it still happens. Yeah. I had a bridal uh, party in... Uh, you know, bachelorette party in St. Louis. I'm like, why? What What made you think that I was the guy for this? <laughs> you know? But, all right, so do you have siblings? Yeah. I have an older brother. and uh, Does he say he's Jewish? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but he's not going on your podcast talking about but, it. But so yeah. your mom put you through the paces. You, your dad, you did the bar mitzvah and you did everything? You... No, I did. I'm a single mom deal. Like, oh, really? Fit, I fit a lot of the stereotypes of what makes you a comedian kind of thing, you know? I don't know what those are. Uh, you know, like you have like uh, mm. uh, uh, some stuff in your childhood and a broken home. Blah, Who doesn't? Blah, blah. Who doesn't? Um, what do you mean? So what happened to the old man? Uh, he's he's uh, so my parents got divorced when I was little, and then I would see him every other weekend. And then uh, he's around. He's around. He's out there. Yeah, I just saw him for the first time in many many years. Really? And it was a wild. Uh, interesting so thing. It, early on, though, you were, he was in the same town, and you yeah, just, you know, shared. <laughs> custody kind of deal yeah he's still there and still there uh he's still there still where i left him and uh i've seen him like since i was 12 i've seen him like five or six times and uh what happened um you know just divorced parents put putting kids against each other and then using the not having all the tools yeah that uh parents need to yeah do it healthy you know sure and uh me and my brother got caught up in that stuff and what uh, you and your brother were fighting over no it? i mean that the children got the oh, kids got them. caught up in all that stuff and yeah when i was 12 i said i don't want to see you anymore because there's i would call him come home sad all the time there's a lot of parents talking to each other and, oh yeah and yelling um, yeah all that yeah not, not good not yeah. fun but i just reconnected with him and it was and i had all these questions after was, what tw- how many years yeah uh 20 really five years i've seen i've seen him like at a funeral or something like taylor nice to see you and i'm like okay this is weird you know wow and your brother too uh no he's he's been talking to him it's the just, whole time yeah uh the last few years yeah it's a whole complicated thing and uh but what's wild is he has uh aphasia which is what the thing bruce willis has yeah but he got it from a brain injury from he hit his head yeah 
So like I, it's like kind of like a, uh, it's like someone wrote it in a story. Like I've all these questions about my childhood, what really happened, like what's the real Gone. thing, and there's not answers. And it's like such a fucking he, what a joke of life. Got you know? it. He got he got off the hook. Those are the th- yeah. Those are the things that make me think God exists. Something that happens. It's like oh, God's funny. But now you have to sort of uh, let it go. Yeah. I mean, my dad's got dementia, but he's still got all the old memories. So he's still in the phase that where you get too much information. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I didn't need to know that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like the other day, it was like just slightly casual racist stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right. Well, <laughs> you know, or he says like, uh, what was the other thing? Like, he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, he was already kind of selfish, but like, you know, he had just gone to like a family reunion with all his cousins and stuff. And I'm like, well, how was that? You know, seeing all the cousins, he's like, nah, it's not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is freeing, though, when you, I mean, not that I've been like that, but like when you just don't give a fuck anymore, like, and you can just, like my mom's uh, husband is dying from cancer. And like, just knowing that he can be like, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to go there. I want this. This is what I want. Like, you can just be like, yeah. Oh, he's making decisions around how yeah. he wants to ride it out? It's a whole thing, yeah. Was he like your stepdad or, or your her husband? Uh, her husband, mm. yeah. So your mom she brought up both of you on, on her own pretty much. Yeah, she's a brilliant artist. My mom's a brilliant artist. Yeah, she, she was like famous in Japan in the 90s, and she's a superstar, uh, brilliant artist, went by Suzanne Marie, and... Uh, um, if you look at Suzanne Marie, there's a diff- yeah. she doesn't have a good in- internet presence, so there's a different person who shows up, unfortunately, yeah. most of the time. But uh, if you look up Suzanne Marie Fine Art Del Mar, you'll find her an absolutely brilliant artist and raised two kids off of art. And so there's many um, parallels in our careers, which is really special. And With you and your mom? Yeah, it was just the artist life, you know? Like, she, she gets she was it. She's doing art open mics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she took... She took... <laughs> she took uh, What's uh, Richard Pryor's sister's comedy class in, in the eighties? You know? Yeah, yeah. No, she took like Ed Ruscha's nephew's <laughs> painting class. Can you cut out the fifteen seconds it took for me to come up with that? So it'd be witty. Appreciate that. Sure, no problem. Thank you. I trust yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Cheers, trust. Yeah. Um. So, well, that's good because then she wasn't judgmental and she's probably supportive and creativity was a a, a premium. Yeah, it's funny. Like, like I dropped out of college because, um, uh, for the right reasons, you know, because Todd Glass encouraged me to <laughs> when I was twenty. <laughs> and um, where were you going to college? I went to Cal. So I started stamping when I was seventeen in high school, and then uh, I got into a college in San Diego. And then I wanted to go to LA and be a comedian. And like, I'm a dumb kid. Like, I, well, I first of all, like, tell me, like, what was Sandy's class like? So. It was a bunch of mentally ill people um, going on stage and sharing their traumas. Really? And, uh, and I she mean, was encouraging that? Was there a structure? Yeah. You know what? I, I got, mean, that's what comedy is in, in a lot of cases, not all cases. You know, when I got from the class, like, it's easy to hate on comedy classes because it's a lot of nonsense. And um, uh, all the, But I got comfortable on stage. So it was like, it was like eight weeks of, uh, I took it three times. I didn't know any better, you know? I mean, and it was all my work, work money from work. Going but but the, the payoff was you'd do a real night, right? I got to do a real night. Yeah. I got to have a tape of me doing more, better than I actually did on stage because the crowd, I didn't invite anyone. I didn't invite my family. I didn't invite friends. It was, just, yeah. it was all just adults in the crowd. But yeah. it went amazing. And like, so I got to perform in a real crowd uh, with a juiced up energy and enthusiasm and encouragement, yeah. you know? And um, 
it was the best. I, I, I just found the tape. And uh, at the end of my special, there's like a 30-second clip of it, my first joke, and after the credits. And oh. um, I got to do that, and I got to have the manager watch me and decide he's never going to book me. Never. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean... He said that that's what you get when you graduate? No, the manager... <laughs> it's like... Well, the manager at the time, he, he watched me, and I'm 17, and like I had to create set. And, uh, and he goes... Um, I was like, I love to start working, doing the spots at your club. And he's like, he's like, I'm 32. I've worked in this shit hill for eight years. You think I'm just going to book you? And I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, why not, right? Wow. But I've always had that kind of vibe from the, the club down there. What happened to that guy? I don't know. I wish him well. I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he's thriving. Maybe he's, he has aphasia. <laughs> he, he, I, I, he's probably on my uh, comedians to watch list. Probably. <laughs> was he a comic? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, but that's such that's so fucked up because that was still a time when, you know, they were kind of the gatekeepers. They were the ones yeah. that determined, you know, it wasn't TikTok or numbers. Like, you know, if you were coming up through a club and, and wanting to do just guest spots, if the guy who runs the place says, fuck off, yeah. <laughs> that was the end of it. That was, and it's beca- and he, and I, but I appreciate it, too. It was very, uh, very, uh, uh, I'm not booking you because you, you, you threatened me. Well, yeah, he's jealous, yeah, and he's bitter, <laughs> and he's thirty-two. I mean, what? Why did he throw the age in there? You yeah, know, like, I didn't. I just said, can I get more spots? So, right. like, he was there for eight years, and they they wouldn't put him on. <laughs> he couldn't put himself on. Wild. And I got that for years down there, like in I La mean, Jolla. Still, honestly, like they see me as the kid, and like like I I moved to New York. I did Craig Ferguson, but that I, was a problem with just coming up anywhere. They were always sure. doing, yeah. But it's just that's most comedians have that story of where you started. That's how they treat you. But that's right. I went to New York. I was yeah. on Craig Ferguson, Comedy Central, whatever. I moved back to San Diego for like three months, like five years into comedy with all these credits. I'm a real comedian, Nothing. and I was. And they put me on first, first, like you know, like cold open first. Five minutes. Yeah, hmm. and and I'm like, and I said, hey, I'd love to get a better spot. I'm not being greedy, but like, I, first, first, it's just, I've been doing comedy longer. I'm, I'm better than people. I have credits. Like, what yeah. is this? And you got to hang out more, man. Same guy. Uh, a different guy. Same asshole. They pass along. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The genes. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to name names. <laughs> but you know, right? But I don't know. I'm trying to get better at. All right, they don't want me. Why do I keep fighting? Uh, why do I keep fighting to be loved by someone who doesn't want me? You that's know? not love. That's business. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're just like a little more vulnerable than most, and you're not. You know, you're not going to fight them on it or go up the chain, dude. Even when I when I was I, did, I was runner up on America's Got Talent, and I like I was selling out, making tons of money, and I wanted a headline down there. They gave me the worst deal I've ever got, and they go, "Your family. We're not going to give you a door deal. Your family." Oh, like, so what a benefit <laughs> to being family. Yeah. All right, so wait, so. Uh, so you, you're doing comedy, you're having these this dynamic with this manager, Sandy Shore. You learned a little something there, and then what? You decide to go to college because you figured, why not get that under my belt? What well, I needed an excuse to move to Los Angeles. Oh, that was it. And you I was very, wanted... I didn't tell people my family did comedy and stuff. Like I was very quiet and shy about it. I don't want to risk like you're not funny, you're not good enough. That was like I would have destroyed me. You know, like I have that kind of. Yeah. So what? Where'd you go to college? Uh, Cal State Northridge. Oh, is that out by uh, by Northridge? By but it's a ways by Riverside, right? No, it's in the valley. Oh, Northridge. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's close. So it was my excuse to move to LA, and like, oh my god, I had such a confidence. I don't know where it came from that I don't have anymore. You're like, like 18, 19? Yeah, eighteen, and, and like I remember emailing because like I was like the the owner of the comedy store's daughter thinks I'm funny. Yeah, I'm in, and I'm in. I remember like 
contacting Duncan Trussell, who was the booker at the time. Yeah, they like, yeah, I, I worked the comedy store, and they just laughed at me. If they weren't even mean, they just laughed. Because they know Sandy. But they, yeah. And, and I, they know the shores. Yeah, and they yeah. know I'm a crazy person who took the class, and yeah. she said she'll help you if she can. And like, right. And I don't know if she was able to, you know. And, but Duncan was probably like, oh, man. Yeah, and yeah. he's always so sweet to me. But he put my He got my name on the wall. Yeah. After, you know, 20 years. Like, it wasn't up there. How And weird. when I showed up in uh, 2002... You know, I my reputation preceded me, and Duncan was like, "Oh man, you're Mark Marin." And I'm like, "Can you get my name up on the wall?" He's like, "Yeah." Oh, that's so special. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I was already Mitzi passed me like in '95 in some weird way, but I I, I avoided the place because it was like a source of trigger trauma for me. But when I came back in 2002, yeah, Duncan, you know, uh, put me up there. Wow. And you know, and Duncan was cool and. Tommy was like, you know, I, I came back as a valid guy. Right. But that place was always a mind fuck to me. I was always sort of like, can I, you know, <laughs> and I was doing it what? You know, I professionally since 88, 98. So I've been doing it 12 or 13 years. Yeah. But it's still like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It took me, uh, it took me a long time to overcome the ghosts of that place in my head because I was out of my mind on Coke and I lived in Crest Hill. I was a door guy. I lived at the store. Yeah. And I would, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was all kind of still in my mind. And I, the first sets I did at the, in the original room, I was like, I, I couldn't see the audience. It was when they kept it real dark. Yeah. And I just felt like I was floating up there. It took me a long time to just get a handle on it. I still haven't figured that place out. Really? It stresses me out tremendously. Really? Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I on st- I love it on stage. I'm just I mean off stage, mm. like being around the halls and stuff, and like post. Uh, co- I don't know. I mean, I love the place so much. Like I feel my special there. Well, like, that's it. Like either you're gonna have that draw to it or you're not. Like you know, to some people it's like this place is a weird place. I'm like, no, this is the place. <laughs> this is the, this is like my mommy. <laughs> how do you? How dare you? <laughs> but I also was a door guy. So it, during you know when Mitzi was clear-headed so you know i got totally mind-fucked by the whole system of the place it was still in operational yeah the tears and like you know like don't park in mitzi's spot make sure no one's sitting in mitzi's booth oh fuck she's here everyone don't freak out (laughs) yeah i missed all that i showcased for her once Mm. and uh she said i was too much like al madrigal and then the comic said it's because i did a joke where i referenced armenia Oh, and Al yeah. had a joke about Armenia and then oh, the and, and, unibrow. I, I don't sure, but in in her in her dementia and stuff, that was her. Like you're like Al Madrigal too much. I don't see that, but um, yeah, I don't see it either. But uh, okay, so so you come down here, you you're in college and you're like confident, and you called and Duncan went and they laughed you out of the place. But it wasn't it wasn't really like that. But like I got I did, I did open mics everywhere and uh, Maz Jabrani and nice John Caparulo and Bobby Lee. They were like help. They helped me weasel, weasel in and um, Tommy was. What for, happened to Caparulo? I don't know the whole deal. I don't know. Is he working? I think I I hope so. I wish him well. I don't know. I I was he was always so kind to me yeah that place is there's there's some bully stuff at the comedy store you well, know it certainly was then not now I, yeah i don't i don't see that at all yeah. right now i'm very happy to see about that but um, there, there was a big fear when all the fucking meatheads left that the place would kind of collapse <laughs> on itself but it, its reputation precedes it and everybody's professional and it's kind of egalitarian now it's kind of cool you know there's no like that place is very susceptible to any swinging dick to take over the place. Yeah. You know, if they have enough star uh, power. And it's just not happening right now. And it's a nice time. 
can I, I love you saying that. Can I tell you this? And yeah. again, I'm so like, this is like, uh, like I'm releasing my, my, my special around this appearance and it's such a huge deal for me. And I reach out to some other people who have podcasts and I, I talk to, uh, I mean, Bobby Lee loves this. I don't yeah. care. But like, I, and, I, and he's always been nice to me. I was like, uh, I'd love to do your podcast, Bobby. And he's like, I don't know if you can handle it, man. Like, I'm going to ask you questions that are, are going to stress you out. I'm like, why? He's like, I'm going to ask you things like, do you like pussy? And I'm like, really? Is that the conversation we have to have? Yeah, to have, like, have a, to. Yeah. To promote my thing. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, Bobby, uh, I'll answer your question. And then he, I said something goofy to him and like, <laughs> we'll figure it out, you know? Have you done it? I haven't done I haven't had the honor yet. But, oh. um, but, yeah. uh. What's the special called? Um, it's called Live at the Comedy Store. Clever. Yeah, you know, I thought about it because I was like, it's at the comedy <laughs> store and it was live. And uh, man, that was good. It's so hard to name these things. You know, I just thought <laughs> it makes sense. You know, so all right. So what happened? So you, you're down here and now you, you're not. Your confidence doesn't deliver you. So uh, when I'm 18, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So like, but I sent my I sent my tape out to everybody in the business like a maniac. A like tape. I I, I sent my VHS tape. I yeah. dropped off. I, I, I just I was at the improv. Yeah, headshots. I don't, you know what? I did have a headshot with um, a resume, a staple in the yeah, back. I did yeah. that. What were I, your special skills? Oh, I think um, I think my special skill was remaining celibate for up to 18 years in a row. That's funny. Yeah, and uh, for yeah. you. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then um, uh, I, I play piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, but like I just saw Danny Robinson, uh, who is a really kind comedy agent guy, uh, at this anniversary party at the Improv, and I was like, I, I walked into APA and dropped off my VHS tape to you in like 2004, and you were so kind to me. And then he's like, All right, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 because it's his life, you know. Yeah, and, they don't remember anything. And uh, same thing with Rick Messina. I met with him when I was 19, and like I was like, You said to me my favorite compliment I've ever heard, and when I'm sad, I think yeah. about it. Like you told me just from talking to me, you could tell I'm funny in my bones, yeah, and it means the world to me. And he's like, Okay, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, Why don't you bring your tape? Back? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, I, but like, so I got. So you started. You took meetings, though. But I mean, not. I. I. They. They. They took my tapes. You know. Well, I took a meeting. I was nineteen. I'm all over the place. But I got. I got to do like a, a taping at the at the Ontario Improv. And uh, for what? It was one of these these trash things that every comic in hindsight hates that they did. Where yeah. they 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 tape. You sign a contract saying we we own your video for yeah. the rest of time. Oh, right. And it was on cell phone television. One of the, I don't want to say the name of it. You know, like hmm. the trash. And uh, but it got me. Uh, in front of like levity people, whatever they were called at the time, sure. and um, Hartman, yeah, yeah, and Judy Brown actually, she Judy, she yeah. she returned my email, and uh, Jesse Shapiro, who booked the improv yeah. later, was the assistant, and, yeah, and uh, so then I started hanging out at the improv a lot, four days a week, and um, when you're 19, 20? 18. and then yeah. Scott Kennedy, rest in peace, uh, he put me on one of his. Uh, he saw me. I remember that guy. Yeah, he put me on. Matt Coleman booked me for uh, a spot at the Improv, just like a tryout thing. Yeah, and in front of like ten people. Yeah, and Scott Kennedy saw me and put me on a Project Angel Food Benefit with Wanda Sykes, like one of his charity things. Yeah, and then Bud saw me. Bud Friedman, rest yeah. in peace. And he was like, I love talking about dead people, you know. Yeah. And um, he said, "What kind of name is Williamson for a Jew boy?" Yeah. And then he got me in the system, and I got my first road gig at the Reno Improv with Max Alexander and Becky Pettigo. Max Rest Alexander. in peace, Max Alexander. He's dead. Too? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Were you no improv with Max Alexander? <sighs> Did you ever go to this place? No. Oof. I don't work improv. Yeah, well, the On Reno purpose. Improv. Uh, okay. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so Reno Improv was at the Harrah's. It was the Sammy Davis Jr. showroom. I remember um, 
the 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 story that people would tell is like Mark Price, um, yeah, from Skippy. He would uh, always, whenever he performed every night, yeah. he would take a shower in the green room because Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, it was his shower. Sure. But then the comics would be like, "Do you have to do it every night? Like I can't yeah. doing it once for the story, but every night you got to take a shower in here." And I wonder how that guy's doing. I don't know. I, I wish him well. You know. Well, sure, but <laughs> he was sort of around. Like, what was that show he was on? Family Ties, right? And. But he was a comic when he was a kid, and then when I was a door guy, he was sort of around, but he was, like, living in a trailer on someone else's property. It was, like, it was kind of a weird story. Oh, and wow. He was always a nice guy, but I know he tried to kind of come back as a comic, but I don't know. I haven't heard that name in a while. I imagine he's still around. I saw him, like, five years ago as something, but I, I don't know, yeah. But um, so, yeah. But I got into touring, and yeah. then um, I got what, into, middling or featuring. Uh, or? Yeah, sure. Opening, opening, hosting, and middling. You know, who and, were you touring with? So when I was nineteen, I got my first manager, Alex Murray, and he was so awesome. And um, and uh, he he hooked me up with Tom Wilson. Tom, yeah, I used to see him at the store when I was a doorman. Such a special comedian. So people know him like Biff from Back to the Future and. Uh, and uh, the coach from yeah. Freaks and Geeks. But people know he was a stand-up yeah, before, for a way long before. Time. Yeah, yeah. He's a real comic. I think he used to get on stage with a tuba sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it sounds like, what, oh, he's a uh, music. No, he's, he was brilliant. No, no, he was, yeah. And he, I watched him, I'm, like, I'm deadpan guy doing 20 minutes, no sweat, whatever. Yeah. I would watch him every night. This is when you do three shows in Irvine Improv yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. He's sweating through his clothes, putting on a fucking show every yeah. night. But that was such a big deal to get to work with him and hear his stories. And, yeah. That's the first time I heard stories about Sam Kinison, who he actually was, versus like the legends, well, yeah. you know. Well, that's yeah, that's who brought me down. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fun. That's what's odd to me is or fascinating is being in this business so long is finding out people who you loved are just kind of uh, demons. You know. I, well, I think you could have assumed that with Sam. <laughs> I, I don't think that was a stretch. Maybe I don't. I don't think anybody watched Sam and thought like this guy's a good guy. This guy got a good heart. This guy. <laughs> to be fair, he wasn't on my list, but mm. you know, but uh, but yeah. So then I started doing that, and I got into. The, I got all this stuff when I was really young, you know. So I, I, ju- I got just. I got booked for new faces just for last when I was nineteen. I got, Who was on your new faces? Oh, it was so many people: Adam Devine, uh, Hannibal. Um, Reggie Watts, um, Pete Lee, Jordan Carlos, um, Lizzie Cooperman. Reggie Watts, you said? Yeah. Wow. It was funny because like it wasn't that was not the right uh, setup for him. He's not a six minute showcase no, guy. You know, you, got, you just you just get the beat going for right. three minutes. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah, exactly. You got to add the noises, and then you're already at four. So. <laughs> and Morgan Murphy was there too. Sure. And uh, so that was so, uh, that was so. That's exciting. So that was 2000 and what? 2006. So it was still kind of happening. Yeah, I think that was the last, that was like the tail end. It was probably like the last 1% of maybe we'll get a development deal. Right. So I I started in 2003. So my dreams, this always fucked me up. Like my dream was to have a sitcom like Ray Romano or Tim sure, Allen. that was everybody's dream, yeah. Uh, I moved to New York. I had a lot of stuff going for me. I did Craig Ferguson twice when I was 20. Did he let you talk? Um, no, but he came up. <laughs> no, no, of course not. But he did a thing that he doesn't do, didn't do for people my yeah. first time where yeah. he stayed and watched. And then he came up. Oh, you did stand-up. Oh, stand-up. And it was during that time where they pre-taped the stand-up whether he was there or not? Yes. Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. And uh, That guy was like, you know... Look, I got nothing against him as a personality, but he would, 
He would just use you, to, and he wouldn't let you talk. It was a fucking nightmare. When you would go on as a guest? Yeah. Yeah. You'd do panel, and it would just... And then the, he had... Bart Coleman, I think, was doing the... Uh, um, he was the, uh, the, produ- uh, the, the producer, and you know, they, they do a pre-interview, you know, a segment producer, and he would ask you your entire life to the point where you're like, what's he even going to bring up? <laughs> and then you get out there, and he wouldn't bring up anything. It was all fucking... Cards. Yeah. What was a setup? Yeah. Can I tell you the first time I did it, if yeah. everyone's to look it up, it was 2007, and yeah. uh, my set list, I'm going to say a bad word, is that okay? Yeah. My silly, they, they make the bulletin of things that, like, so you, in case you forget your jokes, what do you call it, like, uh, like no, yeah, notes. Bullet points. Bullet points, thank you. So, uh, this was my bullet points. It was, uh, um, it was uh, homo. Yeah. Uh, gay. Yeah. The R word. Yeah. You know? Uh, rape whistle, whore. Yeah. But like, if you watch the jokes, they're all true. Yeah, just your bullet points. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, they're all, but it was just a different time. And you could just say, if you watch those, there's nothing. You should have just said that as a poem. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wasn't nothing mean spirited. But then, yeah. but it was making fun of people who use these words, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So then, but then six months later when I went on, it was after Don Imus when yeah. he said the nappy headed hose thing. Yeah. So CBS is part of the whole thing. Yeah. They would not let me say anything. So my next performance was like squeaky clean. Then I submitted it again, and they're like, "You're too dark for us." I'm like, "Too dark? Talk about my parents being divorced. It's too dark." Yeah. And they just, um, but then I moved to New York, and uh, while things were going, and I remember I talked to this young person, young assistant manager at at Brillstein, and then she's like, "Why are you moving to New York?" I'm like, "I want to be happy. I'm a a comic. I want to, I want to thrive, and I want to have life experience because I want to do things." And she's like. You should put off being happy till later in your life. Focus on your career right now. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but looking back, I think she was right, probably, because that made things. Is she right. a big manager now? No, she's out of the business. <laughs> <laughs> she 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 took she decided her advice was wrong. <laughs> but then um there's years of struggling, you know, like I did like one credit a year. I lived off of that, you know, like But oh, you were in New York. Yeah, I went to New York for like two years and I came back to LA. Was it good? I, it was my favorite time of my life. I, yeah. I loved it so much. Yeah. Just like it's looking back, it's insane. I never, so there's a big alt scene then, right? So you could do like Hannibal's Room and stuff like that. Yeah, I did the Rafifi pianos, yeah. all that. Oh, Rafifi's still around. Pianos but back too. then, yeah. With uh, with uh, John Benjamin and and who was doing pianos? Ooh, pianos was uh, was it, it was the regular show or no? It was the whitest kids you know, guys. It was Timmy and yeah, Sam. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, and Rafifi was that Bobby Tisdale and Eugene Merman and Merman, yeah, and um. I did the clubs too. Like yeah. I was able to do all. I always did my same stick. Like the industry would always t- push me away. Well, you're a club comic. I mean, you could do. I, yeah. But I, mean, I, lo- I totally agree with your perspective on alt comedy. What yeah. it is and isn't and stuff. Yeah. And like, but I was always told you're too, you're too alt. You're, you're too mainstream. Or you're, I was told both of them. Like you're too. Because I wore a hoodie on Last Comic Standing. They're like, we're not putting you in because we already have two weird guys. I'm like, I'm just wearing a hoodie. Yeah. But I'm. If you're categorizing. But you're pretty, me, uh, pretty traditional, really. Thank you. That's. I, I. I try to be. You yeah. Know? But if I go to. But that's the thing. You come up in clubs. I mean, you came up in the real way. I mean, you came up in clubs and doing the work and being out there with the, uh, you know, uh, you, you know these comics and it, I mean that's the way it was, used to be. Yeah. So your 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 system your craft is built on, you know, making people laugh in a fairly broad way. Yeah, I, it's funny to describe comedy like that. Just like, uh, like, oh, people are la- you make people laugh every as many times as you can as possible, and you say thoughtful With jokes, things, right? <laughs> but like, that's what it is. And when you see these comedians, not to be a hater, but like, no one's laughing. Their whole set. And was, oh, they're so funny. I'm like, 
but can we just be there's no decibels right yeah like there's just like it's just a matter of fact it's, it's like it's a job <laughs> and they're in from my calculations they're not doing the job <laughs> the basic job is to make people laugh you can say like carlson is not funny but he's making them laugh at least he's doing that you know yeah it's, like it's, aggressively aggressively yeah and it's not his jokes maybe but it's whatever yeah. you know anyways it's, no i get it but um, I, I try to do my best to. So, but you got on that. What was it? Uh, America's Got Talent. That so what, before last comic standing. So I did last comic standing on two episodes. Everything I did for the first ten years of my career was just like, oh, I'm not. I, I don't have a day job. I never had a day job. I, that was so important to my stupid ego at the time. Yeah. Instead well, of that's, well, that's the comic thing. But I should have got a day job and lived a healthy lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> instead of living in squalor. You know. Yeah. But, but then my career was like. I was going to have to get a day job for the first time in my life. Poor me. But, like, uh, I had a lucky career before that, and, and I was broke for the first time. And I uh, auditioned for America's Got Talent. So yeah. Some guy I went to high school with happened to be, like, the low-level— this guy, Josh Sandoval, who's now a big producer in comedy and stuff, he was a low-level talent scout. Mm. Their job was to go on YouTube and look for people for to America's audition. For America's Got Talent. Yeah. yeah. And he told me to audition. I was like, no. I said no at first because that's just, that's like white deaf comedy jam. You know, yeah. like they boo people off stage and stuff. And, yeah. And they're told to boo people. Like it's really like scary. I don't need. And, yeah. and to have Howie Mandel and Howard Stern tell me I'm not funny, it yeah. would have destroyed me. Yeah. But then good news is I was so desperate. <laughs> You're broke. I was like, I have no choice. I have yeah. no option or whatever. I've and done those kind of jobs. My manager who I had at the time like went crazy and left the country and never came back from Christmas break. Like one of those cartoon kind of things. Really? Like he's like, yeah. Where yeah. is he now? Uh, he's in, he's out of the country still, you know. He's oh, never really? came back. And, okay. like, and I remember calling like the the management office, like to talk to another manager. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, we don't know what happened to him." I'm like, "What is this? Just <laughs> like a cartoon of my life, you know, like a real company too, you know." And um, I, I remember everyone dropped him except for me and Henry Phillips because we were like, "Well." He's got to work for us now. He's got no clients. And then nothing happened. But Henry, so, I just saw him. He's a good guy. I love him. Yeah. So then I did America's Got Talent, and uh, it changed my life. Like, I got second place. I didn't talk about being Jewish. That helped a lot. You know, yeah. get those votes it's from like, America. Well, you yeah. Had, well, yeah, but you had Stern and Howie. They would have... <laughs> They would have stepped up, I think. <laughs> yeah, sure. So they both said you were funny? Yeah, and like I had a whole thing with Heidi Klum. Like if people go online, they could yeah. see my whole journey. And like it was amazing. I got to do that whole, all the, everything I never thought. I, could, I was about to like give up on my big dreams and be like, you know, if I could write on a show, I'd be so lucky. And yeah, like, I've been there. You know, and like, yeah. but like this, it was just the right place, right time kind of thing, yeah. right moments. And I got to do the sellout clubs for a couple of years thing. And it was so special. And like I got to, I bought a house and like, um, uh, it has been perfect since then, you know, yeah. but I've had pilots and I've sold shows and stuff. And like, I focused on that. Established you. Yeah. And it, get, it validated for me that I'm doing what I should be doing with my life. And yeah. it was really kind of cool to have the industry never gave me the love I wanted, but then sure. the people did. Yeah. And like that's, that was really special. And yeah. To, I try to keep them both at a distance. <laughs> <laughs> the people at an industry, like, you know, don't get too excited. That's yeah. smart. <laughs> that's healthy. Honestly, it actually is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, like I look, like I see what you you you've done, and it's so inspiring and amazing. And I, I was doing a podcast before I was on America's Got Talent, and then I stopped because, like back then, the dumb mentality yeah. was, "Oh, I don't you do a podcast or do a YouTube show to get the next thing." Yeah. But like, I remember signing with these reps, and they're like, "You don't need a podcast. You're with us now." I was like, "Okay." Yeah, you know? yeah. Boy, you had some real good reps yeah, over time. I've had some. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good advice. Can I give advice to any comedians listening? A mistake that I've made, and it's my fault, not anyone else's, but like, uh, this is me pretending I'm mature. Okay. But I treated reps as uh, 
coach or a captain instead of sure. a partner or a tool, not in a, and not in a mean way, not dismissive way. Yeah. But like, hey, let's work together. Hey, I want to do this. Would you connect me with this? Not, hey, boss, what do you think I should do? Yeah. I don't know what to do. Should I do that? You know? Well, yeah, I, I used to do a line for years about how, uh, you know, Hollywood is not your parents. Yeah. And they're, and they're not your friends. I learned that the hard way, too. Yeah, it took me years, dude. Years. Yeah. To, you, you know, to realize they'll just keep you on the shelf for as long as, you know, you let them. Yeah. And they won't do anything. Yeah. But sometimes they'll do things and you're just not ready for it. And that's not anyone's fault. Yeah. And a lot of these type of relationships become like any relationship where everyone's afraid to break up. Yeah. Until someone goes crazy in your case. <laughs> Why is that my case? <laughs> because you got a manager that went crazy. Oh yes, I see. I see. I was like, did I tell you the time I went crazy? Yeah, yeah and, and they and he still wanted to stay with him. <laughs> yeah. There's. Can I tell you how? Can I tell you how much? Why do you not laugh in the microphone? So it just I looks do. like you're attacking me. No, I'm laughing. But they don't I, know I you got laughing. some good laughs. No, they do. They do. They know. Okay, they know. That's very funny. But it is. A, that is a huge thing for me to work on. Is like they're not your parents. Yeah. And like they they don't. And it's not, they're not supposed to be either. No, it's a business. I didn't know that for a long time. I've just sort of like, why can't I do this? Yeah. When it, I used to yell all the time. Yeah. But, uh. So what happened? So, so you, you, so did I, it, it leveled off eventually? The so yeah, like, and they'd bring me, they'd bring, I went back on the show every couple of years, whatever. I had a, a holding deal with NBC and like, I had, uh, a, a pilot, uh, with Paramount Network mm. and like, uh. I, I sold a couple of shows that didn't make it across the finish line. And like, just looking back, I'm like, I'm so excited for right now, like the special and uh, everything I have coming up and I have a show in development, whatever. But like, where at? Um, I, it's a, I have a production company attached to a show, Love Productions is the company. And like, I'm, I have a, a, an unscripted show pitch I'm very excited about. Okay, good. And, uh, and I'd be hosting and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, but like I look at my resume, I'm like, it looks like I haven't done anything, but I've done so many things. Yeah. I, I had a show in development with uh, Seaver and Michael Jamman and Seaver, Seaver Glare. Seaver and my guys? Yeah. I, I, that's so funny that you can't put uh, almosts on your resume. <laughs> no, it, but it drives me crazy. Yeah. Because like this, in the industry looks at your resume and they go, so you haven't done anything since America's Got Talent? I'm like, well, I've sold three shows and yeah. I've had multiple shows. Of produ- I had a show in development with Craig Ferguson for a year and then he shut down his production company. You can't put that on the resume? I don't. I mean, what is a resume anymore? I don't IMDb. Know. They don't. They don't post. Yeah, if like, they can't Google it. They don't post. I tried really hard. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or like I had a show in development yeah. with Spike TV, but then they just I got it. close. Yeah, that should be a separate part of your resume. <laughs> almost. I think almost are pretty cool. You they know? are in show business. They are because you know it does imply that somebody took a chance. Yeah, and and but that could go either way. I mean, but a lot of times it doesn't go not because of you. Yeah. Well, so so. What happens now at the club? So you had this window where you were like selling out because everyone knew you. So what is your 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 kind of stature when you go out on the road? So it's not the draw. I'm not selling out like it was, but I have the respect from the clubs that when I have something going on, they want to give me work. You know, because I'm, I'm I'm pretty clean, fairly clean. I don't cause problems. I'm not the guy that yeah yeah. If they have a weekend that the, the normal people come in and gonna be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so. I'm, I have a big tour coming up now because of um, the special coming out and being on your show and all the other shows in Calgary, what, Calgary Alberta, Canada. Oh yeah, Tempe, is it called? Uh, is it called Taylor Williamson Live? <laughs> <laughs> live in America tour. <laughs> Listen, I call it live at the Comedy Store because I'm like one gratitude for the place, two uh, resentment for the place. Of it took me ten years to get past there, and I'm just and all who the, passed you? Um, Tommy. He did. 
but it was after 10 years of a lot of nonsense and bullshit and like Tommy nonsense. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. Then, and oh, Mitzi says this about you. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever talked to Mitzi. Yeah, about I used to me. say that. It's like the Bates house up there. Is she even alive? <laughs> He's just like, you know, she wants you to do the fourth spot. I'm like, come on. <laughs> but can I tell you, Tommy was, it was very Stockholm syndrome he did to me. Like he would like, when I was, he said, he let me in when I was under 21. He said, just don't talk about your age. Yeah. And uh, which is like illegal, honestly, yeah. but it was really cool. And and he threw me a blast on belly room shows. It was so cool. He says he says Mitzi said, "Plant him in the dirt. That's where flowers grow." Well, he definitely <laughs> was a a believer. Yeah. In the system. Yeah. And he was the last one. Yeah. For whatever his liabilities were, he he did, you know, believe in the old ways. Yeah. Of the store, and he was. G- whether it was real or not, g- genuinely trying to be Mitzi's proxy in the way that Mitzi had designed the place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I respect him. And I'm so grateful that place. I'm grateful to Peter and Scott and those guys let me film it and there. Sandy. And, and so, grateful to Sandy. Listen, Sandy Seashore. Her, you know his, her legal name was Sandy Seashore? No, I didn't know that. Do you, do you understand the pun that we're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Like Seashore? A sand, a sandy seashore, though. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But uh, you didn't mention Polly. You're grateful for. I'm Polly. grateful for Polly. Can I tell you, I've never said two words to him ever. I respect the guy. I adore him. I watched. I watched him forever. <laughs> um, anyone who's listening to this, I love him. Them. You don't have to love Polly. I, I do. I just don't. I've never talked to him. Yeah, he's funny to talk. to. I was doing my special he's, things. He's very Polly. <laughs> he's totally, totally Polly. Totally Polly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> But like, what am I happy about? I got a dog. Do you ever, have a dog I, I take care of? You trying bits now? No, I'm just telling you about no. my life. I don't know. Yeah. I want to keep this conversation going. So, but, so did you do 36 minutes on purpose? So I wanted it to be 30. Because you're, whole, you're saving stuff for the tour? So I was, honestly, I'm putting it out for free on YouTube. It's a, it's, uh, my business thought was, who needs anything at this point? There's so much content. So it's more of so an advertisement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I consider it a special. Uh, thank you, but uh, no, no, it's a special. Uh, yeah. But like, it was obviously a choice. Yeah, I feel like I want to let people. I'm trying to reintroduce myself. In sincerity, my business thought was, I, I was, I've been the America's Got Talent guy for ten years. I've milked the fuck out of it with yeah. all gratitude in the world. I would love to never mention it again. I like, yeah. And I, we're in a world now which is also confusing to me. No one cares about your credits anymore. Yeah. Like, no one gives a fuck over yeah, yeah. Conan or something. You know, people, sure. people used to lie when you bring him on stage. He's on Conan, you yeah. know? Yeah. People used to, I had an HBO special when I was like 20. Or like, how, about the, how about the weird Argus intros? He's got a, a one man show at the La Jolla Playhouse. <laughs> like, he always goes, this next, he's got a podcast, it's Marin on Marin. I'm like, what are you, what is, what is going on? So I'm just trying to reach. I'm I'm trying to give people the best thirty minutes I've ever had and show them who I am and yeah. and what I'm about. And, yeah, uh, very funny. It's very funny. It means the world to me that you watched it. Oh, it's like, great! It's they, great. And like we all have so you have so many things you could have done with your life, but you chose to watch that. And thank you. Well, no, I'm a, I'm a comedy guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I've I've uh, I know I've been a fan of all these other people, but I really like. I mean, you were so kind to me when I was nineteen, and then there's like a, a uh, like a twenty year break. Of what happened retiring. that time? You, you would. I mean, it's, I think it's because of Mishnah. You were nice yeah. to me. We'd sit in the booth together, and you'd be like, "I guess we're talking to this kid." You know? Well, you knew her. Yeah, at that time, I would hang at the improv four nights a week. So whoever was and hanging, she was like kind of at the same level as you, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All the you Zach Galifianakis was so nice to me. Yeah, I could talk all day about people who are not kind, you know, and all the mania. I was like a child hanging out with forty year olds, getting advice on women from them. Oh yeah. my god, I mean, so weird. <laughs> 
Oh, that's what I was going to ask you from starting out young. Did you have this problem? Because like, I started at 17 hanging out with 40-year-old maniacs. Yeah, yeah, criminals. Criminals, <laughs> truly. Like, like, literally, literally. I know, I know. And like, Vince Champ was my mentor. Come on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 he was before it's your time. Joke, it's a joke, a comedy yeah, joke. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I just want to give him a plug, you know? Um, but like, it's I, I've had to like reframe my brain because all these things people taught me about how to behave and how to act and like, yeah, but their comics are like these lone weirdos. Yes. You know, and it's like the the context of their life is there's no normalcy to any of it. No. That's what I love about comics who you just talk about relationships and stuff. And it's like, you were a freak. <laughs> You're just like making up things about normal people. <laughs> and now, now comedy's just become exploiting traumas in my perspective. Like a lot of people, like instead of healing themselves, like I, like, I mean, we've all followed your journey and like mm. it's, it's so special how you evolve as an artist and a human and like yeah. and you try to be, evolve you know yeah. and i see all these people who are blowing up and good for everybody but like it's just talking being the worst version of yourself that you can be and you they get more fans because of it yeah. so they lean into it instead yeah. of becoming better and for me is trying to be like old school like i wasn't even old school but just being a real authentic comedian yeah. and uh and the fact that you see me is that I can tell you how much it means to me. And like, but then am I, am I, what, what, am I what am I going for? Should I be talking? Should I be like, should I be, should I start doing drugs and like try out weird, do, so you, you got, you're over the hump, dude. There's no, <laughs> what yeah, do I do? You, you, you chose not to then when, when most people chose to do. <laughs> You don't want to kind of think like, well, what I miss by not losing complete control of my life. <laughs> but I'm rebranding now, Mark. Like, I'm like, sh should I do like, hip like, you know, George Carlin was hippie dippy weatherman. Then yeah. he went out there. I've never yeah. done drugs before. Like, should I start doing drugs? No, no, no. There's no reason. No, because like the, the bottom line is, is like, like you said, no one thinks about credits anymore. And and I don't know that anyone thinks about that show anymore. Right. Like, it's still on and stuff, and it, it means something to somebody, but it's all relevant to the window you have to sort of run off the fuel of that, you know? And then now you're just, a, a, a you know, it got you to this other level, and you were ready for it. And now you're, you're just, you're kind of like, um, you're in the stage of your life where you have complete control of your craft, so you just keep doing that, you know what I mean? What do you got to do drugs for or anything else, you know what I mean? But I do know the the climate's more difficult to sort of you know get land something. It's, but you've got the goods. I mean, it's weird because when I'm watching you, I, I the only point of reference, you know, the only guy that I thought was like kind of uh, you remind me a little of Neilan. Oh wow, thank you. Yeah, you know, in terms of you know, there's a way of delivering things, but but you know, and that's a great thing. Yeah, thank you. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, it's exciting. It is weird in this time period where it's like, like I was climbing. We were all climbing this ladder of this is. I'm gonna do this, then I do this, then I do this. Remember, yeah. it used to be like premium blend and yeah. And then everybody gets to the end of the ladder and and there's no more ladders. You're yeah. just all up there going like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and like and I remember talking to a comic when I was when Twitter came out like 15 years ago. Yeah. And I was like so because I'm a joke writer. I love jokes and writing quick one-liners. And like I was so excited about it. And he was like, what the fuck is this? What is this? Because yeah. this is not what he did for 20 years. And you know. And even talking to like, comics from. Around in the 80s, like we, our job was to be funny, just to write jokes and perform and then yeah. whatever. And honestly, to be fair, the, j the job was to work an hour a day and do nothing all day, you know? And uh, no, I mean, and I had to adjust all that. I had to adapt to all that because it all happened when I was already, you know, in my 40s. 
you're, but, the, you're the sincerely the pioneer of adjusting to this. You, I mean, you created a format. Of, right, right. But that was like, you know, out of desperation. But I remember at the beginning, like with Twitter, I'm like, fuck, now I got to get these followers. How do you even do that? And I became obsessed with it. Yeah, it's it's. And then unfortunately, the industry and this is a matter of fact, like the industry looks at. Uh, how many followers do you have over, yeah. over, I know uh, that's a fucking nightmare and I'm glad that I don't like, it's not my life, but yeah. I still like, you know, I, I make sure I have a presence, you know, but, yeah. uh, but I don't, I'm not obsessed with it. But like when I hear people talk about that, good comics who, who are hobbled by the fact that they, they can't get those followers. It's, it's like unfair and it's fucked up. It is, but to to end this topic on some positivity, is I talked to Todd Glass about this, and like he had a really special point of view on this. From and he's been he's uh, older than both of us, I think, and he and he's whatever he's about my age. He's been around, and um, and uh, he said like for when people young people or people complain like what is this TikTok? What do I have to do now? He made a great point. People getting famous because of whatever. Bill Burr blew up because he yelled at people on stage in that brilliant thing he did in, 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 Philly? Phil, in Philly. Yeah, He was already a great comic, but that's what blew him up. Jim Jeffries, another great comic. He got famous because someone threw a drink at him on stage and he handled it well and they happened to be filming, you know? Yeah. And uh, You need a show. <laughs> I mean, but like, I'm like, so he makes the point that you can still be special and uh, work your way in this new well, thing. Well, that's the thing. Is like the, the other side of that is whatever happens... You know, if you have a shot, you need to have the goods, which you do. Thank you. Right. So, so if something blows you up again, even if it's you know you lose a hand, but if I lose a hand, yeah, like someone on uh, comes up on stage and cuts your hand off, you know, then you've got like a new half hour, and everybody knows you, and you can show up for the work. First of all, I love that you're like you'll get a you'll get another half hour special out of this. Not an hour special, but you get like a little half. No, one I'm just adding to the material you already have. Listen, for anyone who wants to cut my hand off, please know I'm not Jewish. Mm. Um, <laughs> I'm proudly uh, uh, half Jewish. Half- <laughs> so so don't 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 kill him. Just maim him. So the hand thing's actually a good idea. You know, it's 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 I'm I've gotten a COVID messed me up and all this time period and seeing people. That's the other thing, like not working for a year. I chose to follow the rules and all this stuff. I was, I was like a good boy listening to the rules. We all did. No, but people in New York were doing like a hundred shows during the summer, like the yeah, rooftops and, and all this stuff. And like, they, but those people who were doing and people in LA who were doing illegal shows, whatever. I'm not even hating on them. Whatever. I didn't do any of those outdoor shows I or Zoom it. shows. But those guys are years ahead of us now because no, of all not. the social media that they were oh, doing. Oh, you know, like oh. they, they were doing. I was sad trying to stay healthy. Yeah. And they were like out there, kind of sociopathic a little bit, just like having a great time. And like, it's anyways. It's just interesting how when I look look around, and I'm like, oh, everyone's been doing stuff. But wow. but I'm very excited for my tour. And yeah, don't uh, compare yourself to everyone. It, like I do it too. But it's just it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. The bottom line is. You know, you've got the goods, and that's that. You gotta I believe in that. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. And uh, uh, yeah, thank you. And uh, thank you for anyone who wants to watch my special and directed by this guy Justin Slade McLean and uh, Andrew Baxter edited it. And uh, I would have turned the neons off, but that's my only note. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, please tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> that's, you know what I love to hear is what I could have done differently. Well, to be honest with you, I I I, I texted Peter. Sure. And I was like, I just watched a Taylor Williamson show. You know, I have a note. <laughs> and he's like, we didn't do that. They rented this space. I'm like, you got to turn those fucking faces off. Right. It, 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 it was, uh, 
it was hard to edit with those two, honestly, because like they they caused some problems. Well, they cause reflections, and like on on the longer shot when it's like you on stage, you got to look at the fucking Marx Brothers, and and half the people in the world <laughs> don't even know who they are. Well, they're gonna learn now. They do, and it's educational, Mark. You know, we gotta make them laugh, make them learn something, make them ponder, make them wonder. Make Nobody them... knows who the woman at the back is. Ah, she's one of my favorites. She's a legend. Uh, like it, it, used, it, used, it used to be the light. Yeah, do you know that? That the, the bow tie on Fanny Bryce <laughs> <laughs> used to be the light in the main room. Listen, it's a perfect special. Um, I'm glad. It is. Thank you. I liked it. It's special. It is. And that note, is, it wasn't meant to diminish anything. <laughs> but like I just because I worked there all the time, it's like, was it necessary to showcase these ridiculous neons of, of dead funny people that most people don't even know anymore? Listen, um, their families asked to be a part of it, and I just want to respect their legacies, you know? They're getting a piece? <laughs> the Marx family's getting a piece? Listen, I, oh, uh. God, I went to—I'm such a comedy nerd. Like, uh, like uh, I—years ago when I lived in Hollywood, at the Egyptian Theater, they had a Marx Brothers yeah. double feature. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go watch this. I've never been more bored in my entire life. It was just me in like 30s. Oh, see, I thought this was going to go differently. You're like, it changed my life, and I chose <laughs> to leave the lights on as an homage to these amazing comedians of the past that changed my life. No, I, I was just, I felt so guilty. I stayed for the second movie. I'm like, this has got to be better. But it's not fair because all the jokes have been done since then a million times. That's what happened. Well, either you I, like slapstick or you don't. I love slapstick. Oh, really? But I've seen all the Three Stooges. I mean, I haven't watched it in a long time, but Three Stooges was my favorite. Sure. Yeah, it's never been my thing, really. What do you What do you like? What are you into, bro? Uh, comedy wise, yeah. I don't know. You know, like what really makes me laugh? I mean, I guess there's a uh, some version of slapstick that isn't joke driven that I like. Like you know, my guilty pleasures. I generally like you know when I watch comedians. I like you know sometimes I like physical comedians, but like there's. There's certain moments in movies that Will Ferrell does that like are they're transcendently funny, but I would they're arguably slapstick, but they're not joke driven. Right. You know, and I think the Three Stooges were a little more like that. Yeah. About physical timing, I'm very impressed with physical timing. I am too. It's something and physicality. Like there's like it's something I don't do, but some people just do it naturally. They're just like they've got a. You know, like there's people like, you know, Kevin James, Brian yeah. Regan. I mean, like who just are just, you know, fully uncomfortable. And they just, they have a physicality. I'm trying to think if there's anyone at the store that really works it, you know, well, well Sebastian very intentionally. Sure. But that's different. But there are just some dudes that are just twitchy and physical that are very funny. That's something that I would love to figure out is how to be physic create laughs with physicality, and it's very scary to me. And like I'm 20 years in, and I'm still there's certain. Things I d uh, but I was far into it when I started thinking about doing that, and and I do it in my own way. Like I know when there's a physical beat to be had, and but it's a choice. It doesn't always happen naturally. I mean, sure, expressions, facial, what, whatever. But to actually, like on my last special, I did a pretty big physical bit. Yes. Yeah, with the uh, with the with the gun thing, the bat. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but that was sort of like big risk. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out these physical beats. Yes. And gonna, yeah. Your special stressed me out in a great way. It was so good. It was so special. Not to be sorry, it was so special. And uh, I was thinking it, about calling it Mark Marin Live <laughs> in New York. I think it's you should change it. Yeah. You should change it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, people googling comedy store. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sure. No, I get uh, it. You did the right thing. Thank you. You mean that? Yeah. You mean that, Papa? 
Yeah. Are you my papa? Will, yeah, you, be, will you be my dad? I'm your dad. I'm your dad today. Um, but I want to say, I what I love what you did real quick is um, how you can talk about real things that happen and make it beautiful and relatable. Yeah. And, and the, like the more personal something is, more relatable it is. But like I felt you, you know? And that's something that I would love to figure out that's very scary to me is to be truly vulnerable on stage and talk about real shit. And uh, I think you can because you're already pretty uh, pretty open. You know what I mean? I don't know what you mean, but if you if it seems like that, it makes me happy because I don't. No, see you're like, like a sensitive, vulnerable guy, and it's not buried. Right. I as a human, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like you know, when you watch you, you're not like this guy's kind of tough. <laughs> <laughs> Careful. He's he's well guarded, but I think you obviously are uh, guarded in some way. But I, I don't think it'd be a big leap for you to to take risks about your personal life. Yeah, it's right there. Okay. Some people, it's not. Thank you, Dad. I'm going to try that. <laughs> Can I have allowance? I still have a nice house. Can I have some allowance? Please? How much you need, kid? I'm in debt because of this special. <laughs> Are you? A little bit. <laughs> Can I tell you what I did? A little, a little more advice for comedy? Sure. Comedians? Yeah. I used to have a bunch of money in the bank, and I would never touch it. I had so much money I'm, saved. I'm the same way, Because too. I was like, you never know what's going to happen, I'm, whatever. I'm the same way now. Yeah. And then COVID happened, and I lost it all. Oh, and, but, I never, but you're ready. But I never invested in myself, oh. because I, I was like, I have to save the money. But now that I'm broke, I started investing in my career for the first time. Oh. And on the next level, you know? And, yeah. Uh, so maybe everyone invest in yourself when you have the money, <laughs> <laughs> and just believe it's going to happen. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, it was good talking to you. Hey, thank what? you. You ready? You done? Yeah, can we get lunch after this? <laughs> I have to I have to meet someone for lunch, but I would. Oh, okay, I'll come with. <laughs> this I'll, is great. <laughs> All right, good talking to you. There you go. Interesting guy. Nice guy. Almost too nice. His special, Taylor Williamson, live at the Comedy Store, is now streaming on YouTube. Also, you can check him out at the Punchline in San Francisco tonight through Saturday. Go to taylorwilliamson.com for all his upcoming dates. And uh, hang out a minute, will you? Hang out a minute. Hey, folks. This episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Heads up. Full Marin listeners can now hear my talk with Cliff Nesteroff at the New York Public Library to discuss his new book, Outrageous. Italian-Americans organized and fought against Italian stereotypes on the stage. African-Americans organized, Native Americans organized, and it led to conflict, tension. There were editorials in newspapers that were supportive and that were condemning. Some editorials would say, well, if we buckle to these Irish protest groups, what's next? 
black people won't let us do blackface. Think of the consequences. Yeah. And that How is, are we going to be funny after that? There, there's an editorial I quote from in the book yeah. that's from 1904 that says that most comedy is based on the exaggeration of our differences. If we remove that from the stage, then say goodbye to comedy. But that's, so, that's hilarious because the exaggeration of our differences just meaning that why can't white people make fun of these other people? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the exaggeration of differences. We don't have a, a, a stereotype, so why can't we just mock? Yeah, yeah. they often did argue in those papers that uh, these groups need to lighten up and get a sense of humor. <laughs> but don't you know? take off the blackface. Don't yeah, lighten yeah. up that much. Not that much, yeah. yeah. To subscribe to The Full Marin, just go to the link in the episode description or go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. Next week, we have Peter Sarsgaard on Monday and a music doubleheader on Thursday with country artist Rodney Crowell and the return of John Doe from X. Just real veterans, real deal guys, real deal music. Now, here's me doing a real deal attempt at uh, some slide again. and the Fonda Cat Angels Everywhere